Hey, this is Chris. The new season of MDC is starting on November 2nd. I'm very busy recording and editing that, but I thought to tide you over through this Halloween season, I would drop a little treat on the main MDC feed. This is the second episode of my normally patron-only side series, World of Dumbness, colon, Fuck, Mary Slay, in which the inestimable Claire Mulcairn joins me every month to discuss fucking, marrying, and or slaying one of the 13 vampire clans from Vampire the Masquerade, as portrayed in their original clan books. Pause for gasps from those who know. What you're about to hear is episode two of that series. This will be the second freebie I've released uh, since putting out the Bruja episode as a free sampler back when this series started. It's been a while now, so I thought I'd put this out there for those of you who aren't patrons as a Halloween special, and maybe to entice you to come on over to patreon.com slash megadumbcast and sign up for as little as $1 a month to get access to all of these episodes. As of this recording, Claire and I have now talked about all of the Camarilla clans. That's Bruja, Gangrel, Malkavian, Nosferatu, Toridor, Tremere, and Ventru. And new episodes will continue to come out monthly, until we've covered all the vampire clans, at which point, who knows, we may move on to something else. Also, I've got a new goal on Patreon. If I reach $280 a month, I'm going to start releasing monthly episodes about Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines as well. I've already got three of those in the can, and I'll be releasing all of those at once in a big batch as soon as I reach my goal. So once again, that's patreon.com slash megadumbcast. If you'd like to sign up, there are five Fuck, Mary Slay episodes waiting for you in addition to this one and the Bruja one. Plus, if I reach my goal, three more episodes about Bloodlines, plus more episodes coming out every month thereafter. In addition to the usual benefits of the Patreon, uh, you get the weekly Megasode that compiles every week's MDC episodes, and you get access to some bonus episodes from previous seasons of MDC, as well as big convenient archive downloads of previous seasons MDC, in case you'd like to download them all at once to binge without going through the whole RSS thing. Anyway, with all my shameful plugs out of the way, happy Halloween. Prepare to fuck, marry, and or slay Clan Gangrel. The sun has set. Your pulse races. You are entering a world of dumbness. Thirteen vampire clans stalk the dark alleys and the lonely highways, vying for your precious blood with all their might, all their guile, and all their diverse gothic punk aesthetics. In this series, we will judge the clans from the classic Vampire the Masquerade RPG by their clan books, answering the one question that you will face when you lock gazes with a creature of the night. Fuck, marry, or slay. I am Chris Newton, a longtime vampire player and reader. I am Claire Mulcairin, a newly sired child with an E in the world of darkness. Tonight, we will be your guides as you face the Gangrel. Welcome to the second episode of World of Dumbness, colon, fuck, Mary slay. Uh, once again, I am joined by Claire. Hello, I am, I am thrilled to be here, despite these <laughs> books that we're reading. <laughs> we're only two in. Uh, you got to give it time. Uh-huh. Believe me when I say that the worst is yet to come. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> if you think you're despondent now, uh, just wait. So in every episode of the series, as you, of course, know, if you listen to the last one, uh, we're discussing on the basis of a clan book, on the basis of a clan book, whether we would fuck, marry, and or slay each of the 13 big vampire clans. 
This time, we have a pretty rough clan book, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. And it is about a clan that I think is, is quite a popular clan, the Gangrel. So let's jump right in. In 13 words, Claire, what and who are the Gangrel? Okay. The perfect vampire clan for all players who would rather be playing werewolf. <laughs> uh, yes, I think that is that is true. Uh, now, in theory. Okay. Uh, once, once you start trying to play vampire as a gangrel, I think you may run into obstacles, uh, werewolf-shaped obstacles. But we'll talk about that as we go. What I've got for my 13-word summary, rugged, bestial predators doomed to wander the wild until they become mere furries. <laughs> All right. Yes, this all seems accurate. I I agree with all of this. Yeah, there's there's an overlap there. Definitely the outdoors aspect, the the woodsy animal furry aspect we have in common. Yeah. So I feel like just I have to ask, what's up with this clan? Like behind the scenes, production wise, I like I theorized last time at the end of the last episode that it felt to me like this was a clan that they made when they didn't think they were going to make a werewolf role-playing game to like let players who wanted to play werewolves play werewolves within the context of vampire because these are very werewolfy vampires or like maybe it's for the person in the party who wants to be playing a werewolf and you can't be like you can't play a werewolf you have to play a vampire and they say well fine I'll play this very <laughs> werewolfy vampire like is that is that why this clan exists do you think like from a production standpoint, or am I off base here? I, I think it's something like that. I mean, the Gangrel have been around since the beginning of Vampire, right? So they've been around since the very first edition before there was anything else for the World of Darkness. Yeah. So it's true that they, they weren't competing for space with werewolves at that time, the way that they are clearly even by this point. Like this book comes out in 1993, and you can see... There's a lot of overlap in the Venn diagram. <laughs> They're very similar. And also there's uh, there's enough of an overlap for there to be a question of like, is there enough room in the woods right. <laughs> for werewolves and gangrel? Right. Within the setting, that's a, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. So I think the gangrel were just supposed to be like the feral animalistic vampires, which is, which is totally a legitimate vampire trope. Yeah. But it's only when you try to distinguish vampires from werewolves that you realize like, oh shit, that's a werewolf. Right. That, what we've done here is a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I do think like they may have backed into it in a slightly different angle than what you're suggesting, but it's it's basically the problem that you're seeing. I think that's exactly how it happened. I think they, yeah, they made the animal one. And then when it was time to make werewolves, they were like, well, shit, we already <laughs> used all the werewolf stuff for the gang growl. Right, right. Yeah. I think it's important right up top to talk about the clan's disciplines and weakness. All right, we didn't do just, that last time, but that is that is a good thing to cover at the beginning. Yeah, just to clarify, especially because it's confusing for the gang girl because it's changed a lot for them. The clan disciplines are animalism, fortitude, and protean, which is like your classic um, vampire shape changing. And, and we can talk about the pros and cons of that later. But just to give you a sense, it's like you can turn into a bat, you can turn into a wolf, you can turn into mist. Very classic vampire shape-shifting yeah. stuff. Protean seems busted. When I was reading about it, I was really into it. <laughs> <laughs> Protean is like a, is a very desirable and sought-after discipline. The thing is with their weakness, though, their weakness is pretty punishing, and it's become less so as the game has developed. At this time, it is that every frenzy, you gain an animal feature. Hmm. And that just sticks with you. So if you're like an elder gangrel, you're going to be like, 
almost all doggy at a certain point. Like, like when your tragedy is at its height, you right. are nearly 100% doggy. <laughs> <laughs> and at a certain point, I think they realize, like, as, as Gangrel elders were used in games, this is very silly. Mm-hmm. And so they gradually kind of eased off on it to where it's like, okay, well, it's not always physical. But, like, yeah, in 1993, it's a substantial part of the clan, and I think it's going to affect a number of our decisions dots wise uh-huh. so i thought that was it was important to get out of the way right at the beginning which version of this are we talking about and it is definitely the goofy one sure <laughs> with that i am now ready for claire's goth poetry corner all right part-time animals unusually here suit May I share your camp? <laughs> so that's that's my first one. <laughs> no spoilers, but it's probably the sexiest thing about the Gangrel that I've heard uh-huh. after having read this whole clan book. I th- I think you yeah, I think you topped it. All right, it was I, a low bar, and you sailed right over. I I've now you you're you may have to like up your dot like one on on the fuck category. Is that what you're saying? It's possible. Yeah. All right. Here's here's another. You know they're out there. And ennui gripped you once more. The fearsome lupine. <laughs> so that that is just conveying that they are all uh, werewolf fuckers, basically. So Yeah, I they guess. sure are. <laughs> it's one of the templates in this book, subtextually. We'll get to it, but like, the people in the clan want to be werewolves, the players playing them want to be werewolves, and the people writing this book would rather be writing about werewolves. It's like... <laughs> Anyway. Truly, at every fictional and metafictional level, it's like a cosmic kink alignment. Yes. <laughs> the the creator, the play, everybody in this situation just is super horny for werewolves. Yes. Yes, indeed. All right. Uh, so, and finally, we have walk with the moon touched. Crows, black dogs, wolves, toads, and bats. Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> That's like the section of the clan book where we hear what the other clans have to say. Right. About the, that seems like what the Bruja would say about the Gangrel. <laughs> I put a little stank on it. I don't think it was the, the phrase Dr. Doolittle was delivered with quite that way in the book. But um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that's, that's, the, uh, that's the Gangrel. I, I trust that answers all of your questions, listener. <laughs> it's, it, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think you really covered all the bases there. Um, a lot of themes we're going to be revisiting. Yeah. This particular book, just to clarify for the listener, uh, we read the first edition clan book, Gangrel. Uh, It is from 1993. It is by Brad Freeman. Before we get into the fucking, the marrying, and the slaying, uh, what was your overall experience of reading this book, like, as a book? As a book, it's like, it's like okay in the writing, you know, about the same as the Bruja one. I don't feel like it's going to be that much better or worse across the board. I have a lot of thoughts about the content and how it chooses to spend its word count that I'm very confused by. Uh, what, what were your feelings about the book as a book? I wonder if maybe we may have the same issue with the way that it chose to use its space, which is that I noticed that an awful lot of clan book Gangrel is not about clan Gangrel. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's basically what I'm going to get to. <laughs> it's like, the issue I had with the Bruja was that 
the information that it gave us about the Bruja was really contradictory. There was like too much information because it, it, the, it keeps using the word diverse to talk about the clan. Like some of them were like this and some of them were like that. And it just made it really hard to like, as a role player, sell me on the idea of playing one because I never really got a handle on like, what do I get by being a Bruja? Uh, but the Gangrel book is just like, as you said, it will take any excuse it can to go on a weird tangent that has nothing to do with the Gangrel. It's like, you want to hear about the Gangrel? All right, here's some info about the Gangrel. But first, uh, let's talk about werewolves for eight pages. You like werewolves, <laughs> right? They're kind of like, Gangrel are kind of like werewolves. So let's take this opportunity to tell you things about werewolves. Here's a story about the time a Gangrel hung out with some werewolves and learned all about their culture. <laughs> and uh, then it's like, okay, but for real, let's talk about the Gangrel. But first, have you heard about the Roma? Uh, did not always use that word for the record. Uh, let's spend another eight pages talking about the Roma and how, if you think about it, they're also kind of like Gangrel. Uh, did you know that the Roma know about the masquerade? Oh, the Roma are so cool. Here's a story about a time that a Gangrel hung out with some Roma and learned all about their culture. And it's like, what, what, what about the Gangrel? What are we learning about the Gangrel? <laughs> it, it is so frustrating. Yeah. This clan book, it's a real missed opportunity on a lot of fronts. One of them is just that the page count is just wasted on these other groups. And that's frustrating because this is supposed to be kind of a manual, like for extra detail for the player who is presumably going to play a Gangrel. And there's very little here that's actionable if you don't want to be involved with werewolves, which like, as you point out, like there is a werewolf game you could go play. (laughs) I mean, that's what you want to do. Right. Um, And the whole thing also is... It's set up in a weird way because it's sort of like in character. This is some kind of like packet of material that is given to newly embraced Gangrel. Yeah, it's like like the book exists diegetically within the world, if that's the correct word, I think, um, within the world of darkness. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's it's by like an NPC, uh, a character from Chicago called Lord Ashton, but it is edited by uh, Raul King who is an NPC who gets written up later in the book, who is a Gangrel Hunter S. Thompson ripoff. Mm. And that could have been such a great way to write a clan book, but it is no great insult when I say this author is not Hunter S. Thompson. Like, who is? (laughs) Yes, but early 90s RPG writers especially are not Hunter (laughs) S. Thompson. Maybe just don't even invoke it. Yeah. If you don't think you can make at least a real good try at pulling it off. It's like bad movies always want to talk about old classic movies and they never and like why why are you making reminding me of this other better movie right now that's exactly what it is this is this is a very much an overdrawn at the memory bank right, uh, of a right. book <laughs> but yeah like overall there's just so much of this that we're not even going to talk about because it's just not about the clan and like unlike the writers of this book we're going to try to keep this podcast about the actual gangrel uh-huh. <laughs> this time so just know if you go out and get this book you're getting a lot of like what's galling is false information about werewolves because these vampires don't know shit about werewolves <laughs> so <laughs> yeah there's like a whole section where it's like this kind of werewolf is like this and this kind of werewolf is like this and those things are wrong they're, oh, they're really? not true wow yeah okay also a lot of wrong information about the roma <laughs> <laughs> oh yes <laughs> i mean oh uh, goes without saying but like it's similar to how they treat vampires like, oh, you think you know things about vampires from all those movies that you've been watching? Well, <laughs> that's all fake. You don't know the first thing about vampires, let me tell you. But like with an actual ethnic group of real people who could theoretically <laughs> buy and read this book and be like, uh, nah, like that's not true. <laughs> anyway, before we before we head into the next little bit, I just wanted to point out in terms of the books just writing, it, it drops some really weird quotations. And I don't know why it's not, it's like, it borrows very famous, like, 
quotes or sentence structure and then drops them in without fully understanding their context or without a regard for why you didn't just phrase another way, i.e. like, there's a bunch of them, but like on page 36, when talking about the rules, the optional rules, it says, if one of these offends you, pluck it out. And I'm like, <laughs> wait a sec. And I had to double check because I was like, that feels like a Bible thing. And I checked. It is from the book of Matthew, which is, if thine eye offends thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. And I'm like, why did you quote the book of Matthew talking about removing rules you don't like? And like... There's also this bit on page 33 where they say, to quote a noted ghoul, there is no problem so big it cannot be run away from. And I, I looked up that too. I looked up that quote because I was curious. That's a quote from Charles Schultz, the creator of Peanuts. Is he a <laughs> ghoul within the canon of the world of darkness? Like, what are you doing? I'm glad you brought this up because- uh -huh. I also looked up that quote. I found it, it, you know, it was written by Charles Schultz. Okay. It is delivered by Linus. Okay. Which leads me to believe that the Great Pumpkin is a gangrel. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. we're assembling quite, a, quite an Avengers team here between uh, Bruja, Robin Hood, and gangrel Great Pumpkin. <laughs> Looking forward to filling out this roster. Yeah, there's, there's one other quote I just want to mention real fast. On page 27, they say... I watched two Romani men with a horse so old, it must have been endangering the horse masquerade. <laughs> and I don't know what that sentence means. <laughs> Does that mean that horses are secretly all immortal and this horse is giving it away because it's very visibly old? Like, what is that saying? I just... <laughs> you know... I liked that line, uh -huh. honestly. I don't think I could fully explain that joke in a logical way, but um, it seemed witty enough when my eyes were just skimming over it, which I think is really what's at the bottom of all these various quotes. It's, these people writing these books are just high on their own bullshit at this stage. <laughs> yes. And they're just like, they're pulling out these like biblical allusions and like yeah. quotes, like the coolest bands they can think of and just putting it on the page. Like, oh man, look how fucking cool we are. Yeah. And it doesn't really bear scrutiny. Okay. And I, that joke, like, it seems like a funny joke when okay. you glance at it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. It it made me laugh, and then I just thought about it, And but whatever, you know. <laughs> if we're not here to, like, scrutinize this stuff, then what are we here for? I just had to, like, comment on it. We can move on now, but, yeah, just whatever. Horse so old it's endangering the horse masquerade is just, I'm going to, like, have that sentence pop into my brain as I'm lying awake at night from now on and I'm still going to be trying to understand what it's trying to say about the underlying mythology of the world of darkness but whatever we can move on Claire yeah tell me why you would or would not fuck a gangrel so looking over these photos that are in the book or I guess illustrations None of them are really doing it for me the way that some of the Bruja photos did for me. Like, there's not as high heights. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's a lot of people with, like, no shirt and, like, shark teeth necklaces and, like, really dirty looking hair. And, um, <laughs> like, it's, it's all fine. Like, there's, on page 19, there's a lady with a snake. That's cool. Uh, and then some of the gangrel of note at the end, like, uh, Karen Anotos, a Anotos, mm, yeah. whatever her name is. Yeah. 
and uh, the Valkyrie at the end. They're pretty nice looking. They're just like nice looking ladies. Like, I don't know. It's it's fine. What are your thoughts? Yeah, basically the same. I Particularly, I was turned off by the fact that like there is a very high proportion of naked dudes around animals in the yeah. art in this book. And a totally naked person is not always as sexy as you would think it would be. And I think yeah. particularly when they're like when they're hanging out with the wolves and like the wolf enclosure at the zoo. Right. It's just it's kind of gross. I don't know. It's like <laughs> I can't stop thinking about the food chain. You know what I mean? Like I, I can't get into it in this environment. Yeah. yeah. Like I feel like one, if we're in the woods and you've been hanging out with wolves, you're going to smell pretty bad. And like the wolves are going to be like looking as we're doing it. And I'm not really into <laughs> that. Like I'm and in terms of like the more bestial ones who've been maybe frenzying too much like i'm i don't know i'm i'm personally not a furry but i wouldn't kick a furry out of bed like i i could live with a, with like some light furry ish stuff now and again uh this this podcast will tell you everything about uh my sexual orientation that you would ever <laughs> want to know but like it's it's cool like i can roll with i could roll with a furry i think i don't know it's it's value neutral <laughs> like it, it doesn't do anything for me. It's not like it actively grosses me out, but I think it yeah. definitely leaves me cold when I see these things where I, I think like the animal part is supposed to be the sexy part. Right. There's there's a place that it did bother me. On page 22, there's this um pretty hideous looking guy and he's got like leopard spots on the side of his head and they're like running down his body and he's biting this woman's neck or kissing her neck and... I guess it's supposed to be like a passionate vampiric embrace, but it just looks so gross. And the leopard spots actively turned me off in that situation. I especially noticed that because I am heavily into trill spots. <laughs> but the fact that they're leopard spots, for whatever reason, it, like this is not Jadzia Dax. This is an abomination. It, yeah. It's actively unsexy. Keeps me from enjoying the vampiric embrace. So I don't want to say that if Jadzia Dax came at me with leopard spots, I would be grossed out. I think that that's a lie. But... <laughs> I think in general, it is not sexual to me, and I'm not into it. Yeah, I guess I could, trying to, like, give voice to the other side, I can get down with a little bit of the, like, primal, feral, you know, um, in the words of Nine Inch Nails from the song Closer, I want to, you know, fill in the blank. Um, (laughs) (laughs) On this podcast, Claire? (laughs) You're gonna leave it out on this one. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, as we have learned, uh, sometimes seeing a person totally naked is not as sexy as it being slightly covered. There is, there is some benefit in illusion, you know. Okay, okay, yeah, like the 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 idea of like animalistic, like the the passion of that, yeah, does kind of appeal, and I think especially when it is veiled, like. There's a there's a pretty good piece in this book with like this woman in like I think she's like in a black tank top and she's just like laying back looking satiated after feeding on some guy. Yeah. That's kind of cool. And then also like the dichotomy, like the uh the babe in the woods template on mm-hmm. page 37 where it's like this innocent young woman who's been turned and like she doesn't even know she's a vampire yet. She's got like a long t-shirt or whatever and she's like kind of holding it down and like she looks like she's just having like a rough night. Like her yeah. eternity is just starting with a very rough night, but she does look kind of like very innocent. Yeah, that dichotomy of like she might kill you—that's yeah. cool to me. But then let her frenzy a couple times, and like now she's got a fucking elephant snout, and like I don't. <laughs> Out it... of all the animal features you could go with, I was like, well, if he, <laughs> if he says like little cat ears or like a little tail, I'm like, yeah, maybe. But elephant snout, yeah, I don't know. Maybe not so. <laughs> maybe that's why her sleeve is covering her nose in that picture. Maybe she's hiding <laughs> her elephant snout from us. <laughs> 
Thank you for ruining the only good piece of art in this book. Uh, to me, the template characters are by far like the sexiest thing in this book. Yeah, the ex- the explorer lady's cool and like yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The explorer, because she's basically like she's Indiana Jones, yeah. but she's gender swapped. And the uh, oh, who is the other one? The the urban commando I thought is cool. Like you know, there's there's some cool there's some cool peoples in here. The bold urban commando really did it for me, and I can tell because the note I took on her is a complete sentence. Uh huh. Quote: This very practical, very driven young woman can, in the parlance of our times, get it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. She's like a better Bruja than any of the Bruja we just had in that last book. Like, yeah, just like it's really just weird. fucking killing it. She's yeah. just got that like rebellious spirit deep inside her. She's so cool. And honestly, I'm super into the stuntman. The picture of him, he's just like so cocky and his whole background. It's like he's just this totally honest dude. He has noticed the same nature and demeanor. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck else do you want from like a good looking dude who's just like he is exactly who he is. There right. is like... There's a layer, and then under that, there's another layer, and it's like a carbon fucking copy. <laughs> and then, and he's like, he used to be a pro wrestler, then he turned into a stuntman. He just loves danger. He got turned into a vampire just for the hell of it. And now he's just like, oh, this is great. Yeah. Nothing can hurt me. And so let me just go have fun. Right. Yeah. No, I, I think when we get to our vampire dream date, I think that that is a version of Gangrel I can get on board with. So. Yeah. It, it's just, it drives me crazy that like the main art in the rest of the book it is just like gross hairy dudes hanging it's like out with animals it's like a bunch of cavemen yeah, it's yeah. Like... and then you get to the template section it's like where the fuck were these people the rest of the book this yeah. the whole description of this clan generically like in the abstract is such a turn off and then you get to the actual members of the clan it's like oh these are the hottest vampires you could possibly <laughs> sell in one place with no connection to the rest of the book <laughs> so is there anything else you want to touch on here before we assign our dots? Uh, I don't think so. I I think that I've I've said, I think that <laughs> the listeners have already gained enough insight <laughs> into uh, my own particular kinks for one episode. <laughs> okay. So how many dots do you give the gang girl? I'm regretting now not giving the Bruja four because I can't mm. give these more than the Bruja or the e- even equal because I still do like the Bruja more in retrospect with like, you know, the leather and the punk stuff. So uh, I gave the Bruja three, so I got to give the Gangrel two. I do want to leave some room down below, you know, like mm-hmm. in case I, there's one I like less, but they're they're not doing as much for me as, as the Bruja did, like pretty note by a pretty significant margin, I think. I'm in the same place. Uh, I gave them a two. I think there's big winners and losers kind yeah. of in a similar way as to what there were with the Bruja, but it, it particularly strikes me that like, the individual templates here, like the stuntman, you mentioned Karen Anatos. The uh, yeah, she's like kind of a silly NPC who like she was embraced and she doesn't, she didn't really get proper training, so she just sort of like thinks that vampires are what they are in the movies, and so she's like this like Elvira type who is just like a shoot vampire. Like that's cool, and it's totally different, and it's not super connected to the Gangrel thing. So what strikes me is like the individual characters I find really hot in this book could really be any clan. Right, they they're not. They're basically not Gangrel, and the the less like Gangrel they are, the more you like them. <laughs> so. Yeah, uh, yeah. I land on two for this, and like ultimately, there's a sunset here. If you'll pardon the expression, like you fall in love with a Gangrel, you start fucking them. Maybe it's great at first, but like, yeah. How long before the beak? How long? Totally. Jeez. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, Claire, would you marry? A gangrel, which is to say, would you become the 
hirsute undead bride of the Gangrel. <laughs> oh, I work so hard to not be hirsute. I don't know if you're aware of this, <laughs> but like 80% of my life is hair removal already. So <laughs> this, I mean um, it's a game of it's a game of personal tragedy. Right. Uh yeah. Okay, so the thing I like about the lifestyle promised by being embraced by the Gangrel is they seem to kind of exist outside of normal vampire culture, and I think that vampire culture kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I'm I'm moderately into the outdoors in theory, um, so like that's somewhat appealing, get away from it all, but that's counterbalanced by... The fact that in practice, I think I'm not really that into the outdoors. Like, (laughs) I do really enjoy living in a moderately sized city and like, you know, watching TV, playing video games. And, you know, at one point in my life, I enjoyed going to bars before, you know, the Rona uh, came along. Mm -hmm. Uh, But ideally, and hopefully someday again, I I will be a bar person, Uh, hopefully where I will run into some ladies that kind of look like Bruja, you know, that's, that's my ideal Friday night. So yeah, like, the woods is fine. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it, I think the key part of the fantasy as you identify, and maybe this is just like a similarity between you and I, the key thing is, if the social situation gets difficult, like the vampire social situation, you can just fuck right off, which most vampires do not have that option. Yeah. They have a clan that is super laid back. Nobody's making anybody do anything. You can just leave. You, you can turn into a bat and fly away. You can melt into the earth on like at a rest stop on the side of the road somewhere and yeah. sleep there. You don't need to have like a secret crumbling mansion somewhere. Yeah, I was going to say that earth melding ability really makes it easy to drop off the radar. You can just like, it's normally hard to live in the wilderness because there's a sun out there half the time, you know, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, you can totally just peace out if you're a gangrel. So that's like, that is appealing. But yeah, at the same time, like, what are you really getting? And like, apart from that, theoretically, any vampire could kind of fuck off. Like, Less so, but like, I don't know. I I just don't really know what exactly I'm getting from it. It is about the reality of a solitary life, as you point out, because really what is being pitched in a sort of big rock candy mountain way to you is like, you're going to go out on the road, but then you go outside and it's like, what now? Like, what am I supposed to do with this supposed freedom that I have? Because basically I'm just like this homeless wanderer. And the clan disciplines somewhat make up for that. Like animalism is kind of cool because like you can keep yourself fed a little bit. And protean's great. Like I said, I'm really into protean. It's all like one step forward, two steps back with this clan. And ultimately, yeah, what it boils down to is like if you do end up getting your freedom. Here's an example uh, on Gangrel Customs because there is like a culture to this clan. Yeah. First of all, did you notice that this book is so 90s that someone raps in it? So... (laughs) One of my rejected haikus. Um, I have. I always end up with several rejected haikus. One of them was, they call me CJ, and it was 50 years back, a bitch named Mickey, but that was all I could fit into a haiku. <laughs> <laughs> it's rough, because they have this custom where when you meet another gangrel, you're supposed to, like, each tell, like, in your own storytelling tradition the story of your life. So there's, like, you know, if you're a Viking, then you'll have, like, this epic tale to tell, this epic right. poem. And then if you're from the 90s, then you got to like, you know, do like your b-boy pose and like wrap the story of your embrace. It's so silly. Yes. And it's very, very clearly written by an extremely uncool white person rap that one of the gangrel does in the middle of this. And it's, yeah, it's. (sighs) It is. It's very like, 
ba 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 it's like that <laughs> yes, kind of like yes, no self exactly self-play. exactly <laughs> i'm a gangrel and i'm here to say yes. i fear the touch of the cursed day <laughs> oh no <laughs> oh god and, and the thing is like there's no like there's no gangrel cops who are going to come down on you if you don't participate in this yeah and that's great but if you don't then it's like then what you don't deal with anyone else you're just you're just some dude. You're just some dude walking around doing nothing. Like there's no yeah, there's exactly. no vampire society. You right. you know, you've got fucking bat ears. You can't talk to regular people. Yeah. What are you supposed to do? Yeah, and thinking about it, like, especially if we're going by the old school one that like as time goes on, you get you look more and more animalistic, then you kinda at some point have to start living in the woods, and that's not great. Mm-mm. One thing I, I have to say. All the werewolf shit in this book is predicated on the idea that you can go hang out with werewolves if that's what you really want to do. Yeah. I want you to know, Claire, that you 100% cannot. Uh, Okay. (laughs) The the rules of werewolf do not permit this. You will be immediately found out. And it even says in the book that you have to plan for, quote, inevitable discovery. So it's a ton of this book devoted to the idea that at least you could go, like, pretend to be a werewolf. Yeah. And... Uh, your chances of success are the same as if you or I went out into the woods and tried to pretend to be a wolf. It, it will not work. <laughs> oh, gosh. I feel so bad because that's one of the whole templates in there, that character. So <laughs> yes. she's she is doomed to have her story end in tragedy. Her story is so weird. I think she's being pranked by her sire. Because she has real bad information. She is going to come to a bad end. Is this book written by someone who hates the gang girl and wants to see them all get get eaten by werewolves? (laughs) It could be. Um, The second thing is, this is the only place I can recall seeing in a World of Darkness text that points out that certain park rangers have twigged to, like, the existence of vampires. Yeah. And that is sad. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Being hunted by a park ranger is about the lowest fate that a vampire could come to. And it means that you have to stay away from goddamn national parks, which like of all the vampires to have to like stay away from parks, the gangrel, it's, it's very sad. At this point, I have officially, you have officially become just like Yogi Bear. <laughs> like, <laughs> that'll be your existence as a gangrel. <laughs> <laughs> Only the bow tie remains to remind you of your lost humanity. <laughs> and the little collar. <laughs> Oh, um, uh, okay, G- give me some, give me some dots. Uh, what what are yeah, your dots here? It's two, I guess, but like kind of leaning towards one. Like it's closer to one than it is three. I, at the same time, I'm really reluctant to give one because I feel like I want to leave some room in case there's one that I really hate. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. I guess I guess I'm gonna go two. Yeah, I'm also with you on two. I think it's maybe slightly higher for me. It's just that. Hell is other vampires. Like, the worst yeah. thing that's going to happen to you in your existence as a vampire is other vampires, by and large. And Gangrel have that ability to get out of that. It's just worth a lot. There's basically nothing else good about being a Gangrel for me. I agree. Let's put the shoe on the other foot now and turn to the question of whether we would slay these vampires. Were we vampire hunters? Claire, would you slay a gangrel? I don't think I have to. I think the werewolves are going to do it for me. <laughs> let's let's assume for the sake of argument that, that it's you that's in that position. Or maybe okay. you're a werewolf. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like these are similar to the Bruja in that I like the smaller 
vampire clans that exist on the periphery of vampire society, like nipping at the heels of the other ones. Um, I, I, I can't see me giving a lot of dots to this. I, I think they're probably pretty cool, um, unless there's something that I'm missing. Uh, well, let me put out real quick three points and maybe like sure. kind of kind of talk you down, but we'll we'll see because I'm conflicted about it myself. Number one, you may have noticed some mentions like there's one on page 12. I noted there's mention from time to time of like the Gangrel acting as sort of advanced scouts for the other clans or like, you know, we fight their battles, that kind of thing. Sure. Partly, as I mentioned before, the Gangrel get by by doing dirty jobs for other clans. So it's not like they just like come out into unspoiled nature and are like, ooh, let me meet all the indigenous peoples and let me roam the unspoiled country. It's like they're the spearhead of the other vampires. And that partly has to do with the fact that the, the Gangrel are very non-judgy, which is great, but there are some real bad vampires in this clan. The Archon in training template. Yeah, uh, that guy sucks. <laughs> yeah, I don't... Ba- it, it starts by straight out saying, basically, this guy loves to hurt people. That's why he became a cop. And that's why he got married. Yeah. And this is once again, similar to like the skinhead presented as a totally viable character option. And like, I just don't, I just don't understand. Like, I feel like characters like that from a writing perspective, it comes from like a very deep fundamental misunderstanding of the maxim that conflict is central to drama. (laughs) It's like whenever I watch a really badly written indie movie, or, I mean, a really badly written porn, for that matter. And their idea of dialogue is just everyone swearing at each other all the time and hating each other. And, <laughs> like, I think, like, I watched the movie Ginger Snaps uh, a while ago because some of my podcast friends liked it. But I just cannot stand out how, like, every scene was just people being fucking assholes to each other. <laughs> yeah, the author is setting you up with the idea that, like, you know, it's going to make your game really fun and dramatic is yeah. for you to play a character who can't get along with anyone. Yes. And it just sounds so exhausting. <laughs> like, and <laughs> why is this the person we want to tell the story about? A guy who's just a dick to literally everyone. What it says about the clan to me, and that's why I bring it up now, is that this is the flip side of they get off your back, like they don't make you do anything. This yeah. guy can totally run roughshod through the clan because who's going to stop him? Gangrel don't give a fuck about other Gangrel. Right. It's not like the Bruja who will, you know, call you into a rant or whatever and surround you and beat the shit out of you. You know, maybe that's going to happen to the skinhead. We can hope. It's not going to happen to this guy. There is no circle of Gangrel. They all fucked off already to the woods or whatever. So when you say, come get your girl, like, nobody's going to do that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the the other thing I want to mention, which is just, like, silly but also relevant here, is that there's a line in page 14. I have to go there. This is in the section that you skipped with the Bruja about, like, all the stuff that the various Gangrel are doing around the world and like yeah. how, how things are going for them in different geographical regions. I read it this time and I regretted it. <laughs> <laughs> Might skip it next time. <laughs> this is what's happening with the Gangrel in France. Quote, one thing is certain, as the cities encroach, Euro Disney was built on a favorite Gangrel haunt. More oh, than yeah. a More than a few of our kin turn to madness, violence, or drugs to cope with the loss of their land. Many French Gangrel have gone to Earth, perhaps into Torpor. These motherfuckers got hooked on crack and went into a coma because of Euro Disney. <laughs> <laughs> this is too much environmentalism. Yeah, I I actually was worked very hard to try to transform that Euro Disney aside into a haiku, <laughs> but it 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 just could not fit. The syllables weren't working out. So <laughs> I I raised the question here because these seem like mostly like naive, you know, early nineties environmentalists. And mm-hmm. fairly harmless. 
But if it's true that like when the cities encroach, they become violent, you know, they get derangements, they start using drugs. That is a time bomb. Like, where are we at by 2020 with the gangrel? Yeah, that's fair. The big thing, though, the final thing, and this is the thing that has me really on the fence about this. There is a custom among the gangrel, one of the few that is quite heavily pushed, that when you embrace someone, you leave them to figure it out for themselves. You watch for a distance, but you basically just let them go for a while. That is extremely irresponsible and dangerous. What percentage of gangrel just get dusted on like the first time the sun <laughs> comes up because they don't fucking know to go indoors? Like, it, I mean, I like 95%? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, it's, it's nuts. Really, we don't know what that survival rate is. Yeah. And I think that that's the only way to read it is this is like, it's meant to be a clan of survivors and, and independent loners, really. So you embrace somebody and, Basically, if they can't figure it out, like once their skin starts to smoke, if they can't figure out how to save themselves, if they can't figure out how to keep fed over their first week without any help, then they're not gangrel material. Yeah. Which is like, that's like a cool, badass tradition for your clan. But in practice, a lot of innocent people are going to die because this person doesn't know they can frenzy. They don't know even what what they're hungry for at first. So there is that stage where gangrel are a menace. But the flip side of that is... That also means that if you meet a gangrel, they might not even know they're a fucking vampire yet. There are many gangrel who did not ask for this, did not want this. They're trying their best. And they maybe have a chance of getting better because, like, they've got animalism, you know? They can start feeding on stray cats or whatever. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's like, all my cards on the table. I'm having a hard time with this rating. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a lot of stuff I hadn't, I hadn't thought about. Um, yeah, I think I'm, after that... That last point did win me back a little bit, but I'm I'm leaning towards I think the three dot range right now. Okay. I feel like they're keeping some of the other stuff in check in in the vein of the brew hub, but like you said, they're a big mess. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I think three is what I'm feeling. Okay. At the end of the day, putting myself in the situation, me, werewolf, vampire slayer, Chris Newton. Yeah. I can't kill somebody who might just be like some innocent person who like, just got embraced and is trying to figure it out. I, I mean. Like, it's not like a Ventru who would have been recruited for for privilege. It's not like a Tremere who would have been recruited because they thought they could be trusted to do secret black magic shit. This could just be a rando. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with one dot. But that's oh, my, one. Wow. Yeah, that's, gonna, that's crazy. I can't kill an innocent person. And I think this is one of the this is one of the highest chances that I have an actual innocent in front of me. But the ju- my judgment of the clan is harsher. This is a horrible practice <laughs> that they do with abandoning yeah. their childer. Yeah, I'm thinking, I guess, more, I, my rating is coming from more a, on a clan level. Like I said, I really enjoyed the Bruja on a clan level because I thought they were fighting back against the other vampires, like, in a very active way, you know. And I think that on a clan level, I like the gang girl quite a bit worse because, <laughs> you know, like I said, I, I think the question is, do they get points for embracing random people or, you know, like, are, are by... By which I mean lose points, because in kill, lose points is a good thing. Um, so do they lose kill points for embracing random people, or do they get them because that's fucked? And I'm saying they they get them because, like, as a clan, as a whole, that's a messed up thing to do. And all the innocent ones, as we've established, 95% of them died on the first <laughs> night. So three is still below half. Three is still below half. Like, I am willing to say that these are one of the, these are one of the better ones, but I, I think that they're worse than the Bruja. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I mean, you're, yeah. yeah, you're putting them at the midpoint, and that yeah. is that is fair so, enough. Three hey, out of five. Three point five is the midpoint, right? Because it's out of six, or is it out of five? It's out of it's out of five. Only elders oh, go to five? six. 
If it's out of five, I'm going to put him at two. Sorry for, go- for waffling back and forth. It's okay. No, no, no. It's fine. Okay. I'm going to put him at two. Yeah. It's good to have a disagreement now and again. <laughs> so with that contentious issue out of the way, right. we can now move on. We can come together and uh, talk about our dreams a little bit with a vampire dream date. Um, we've talked a little about not being super into the Gangrel aesthetic, but let's save the Gangrel for sexiness. <laughs> Give me one to three bullet points, things you would like from a Gangrel dream date uh, that we can work into our character here. I kind of think that like the fantasy of being with a Gangrel for me, uh, I think that they travel a lot. I don't mm. know exactly what they do, but I feel like you're always moving around and you get to like see the world. So I don't know, maybe like a musician or something like that. But I, I just feel like that's one promise of, of being with a gangrel. Gotcha. That's interesting because I have a a similar thing and I think we can split the difference on this. Okay. I characterized it as uh, the Bixby factor. I, I want someone who's always walking down the road. Yeah. And like, can never quite stay behind. I think there's a different fantasy of like, do you go with them and see the world? Or is it like they're emotionally unavailable and so you hook up and then they leave you alone, which is my fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> but but we can have the character be a traveler. Yeah. And that way you get the experience, you get the fantasy. And whether your fantasy is to go with them or to be left behind, because you're a right. weirdo, I guess. Um, well, if if you choose fuck, then you have the, the random encounter with them. And if you choose marry, then you are like the to reference a science fiction franchise that I know you are a fan of, then you are the doctor's companion or whatever. You travel along with them on their wild adventures around the world. So yeah, if that is an accurate metaphor, I don't know how often he fucks the companions. It seems like generally he doesn't, but. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he didn't used to. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, okay. So that's, that's one thing is like wanderer basically. Yeah. Okay. What else you got? With the... The thing about telling the stories, I feel like we want this person to be like an artist a bit. Um, okay. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. I don't know exactly what. Like I said, I said possibly like musician, storyteller, but I but just like good with words and very like, you know. Okay. Okay. So definitely something verbal to fit into the storyteller aspect, which is cool. Yeah. And do you have a third one? I guess like outdoorsy. Like, you know, I feel like that's kind of inevitable in here. Like that they are fit and they are fond of like they could they know how to canoe they know how to rock climb all that stuff you know can make a fire you know okay cool cool um so wanderer was basically on my list as i talked about there's two other things i want first of all this is going to sound like a little bit hypocritical after me saying like i'm not into furry stuff but Uh it's a classic i can't pass up on this they gotta have cool animal eyes that they hide behind sunglasses that is, okay. that is the classic Gangrel look. Totally. I, I have to have that. And it also <laughs> plays into like the predator, like the, you know, they have the cool veneer and then underneath they're an animal. And it's just right. Like no ears, please. Certainly no snout, but eyes. Yes. So we'll have those uh, unless that's like a deal breaker for you. No, I'm into it. Okay. I mean, I'm um, value neutral on it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> More waffling. Um, remembered that you were being recorded there in the middle of that sentence. <laughs> And uh, the other thing I want, and this goes to like the stunt man. It also goes to like the animalistic aspect of the clan. Normally, I am super into angst. 
Yeah. And her and her sexy European cousin, Angst. But what I really want from the Gangrel is I want somebody unapologetic. Yeah. Like, this is who I am. I'm a predator. Not that they don't care about right and wrong, but like, I don't want somebody who stresses about the fact that they have to eat food. Yeah. That feels like dangerous to me. It's like a challenge to my value system. Um, and that's that's what I want. I want someone to confront me, challenge my values, and then get the fuck out of here. <laughs> right. I, I think... I think in that way, I like the idea of this person being simple, not necessarily in like the with the connotation of that that means like dumb, but like, you know, they're very straightforward. Like you say, they know who they are and like probably like kind of an isolationist in terms of with their view to like fixing the world or like solving any of the vampire problems like they're living their own life and they're going to be happy and they're going to like you know if you develop a good relationship with them then they will care for you and take care of you but it's at a certain point they're always going to be separate from the rest of the world and they're not really ever going to desire to like enter into society and put down roots at that kind of like greater level yeah i really like the um i like the loner angle what it, what what that puts me in mind of is um in terms of the relationship is like the phrase guardians of one another's solitude like yeah. that appeals to me that this is somebody who like their path is just a, a lonely one and if they get into you and you get into them you can be their partner but that also involves a degree of solitude a degree of understanding that permits for that solitude right go live in a cabin with them and and he'll like you know make some furniture uh, like he'll get into woodworking or whatever and like but you, and you don't have friends over for board game night really all that often it's mainly just him like you know making making furniture and playing acoustic <laughs> guitar so yeah and and you know and there might be a period there might be a period apart you know there could be a time sure. when you go to have and because it's a it's an immortal person you yeah. know and it's a person who is not you know who is not shallow who is simple but is not shallow so it could be like, you know, hey, I'm going to go. I've got this career opportunity. I'm going to spend, you know, five years or whatever on this. And then this person shows up again. And it's just like it was yesterday because they're the same person and they still care for you because they have a very like primal attachment to you. Right. And I, I like that idea that they're not possessive and they're not competitive in that way. Like you could come into their life for a while and then whenever you want to leave, the doors open and they say, OK, I hope you come back someday. Or like, and if you don't, whatever, like, you know, like I, I like that. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, they wouldn't say, I hope you come back someday. They would never say that. I apologize. They would say, <laughs> well, if you're, if the road leads you back here, the door will be open or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. Something cool. Something laconic. Something cool. We can workshop yeah. it. You know. less, less words than that, though. You know, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So this is great. I'm super looking forward to this character. I have to look forward. You, dear listener, do not. We go now to future Chris with our Gangrel dream date. I used to be a preacher. Joseph finally begins. You've been trying to coax out this man's story since his sudden arrival to the church's 4th of July picnic. You stepped away from the picnic tables for just a few minutes as dusk fell to fetch your camping lantern from your car. And when you returned, here was this handsome, smiling man, sleeves rolled on his trim, sapphire button-down shirt, practically holding court. The Robinsons loved him. And the Duval's little toddler, Eli, who had denied you so much as a smile all evening, eagerly took the stranger's hand for some unsteady laps around the picnic table. Your curiosity was piqued. You introduced yourself. The pulpit was my first sweetheart, Joseph continues, and I did hear a call to preach, but the world called too. Eventually, claustrophobia got me. I just packed up and left. Got bit by the travel bug, you offer? Something like that, he smiles. 
And what a smile. You can't place Joseph as a country mouse or a city mouse. His broad back and his manners say farm boy, but his style is sharp and confident. Only his blue-tinted glasses seem questionable, but a smile and a body like that, they cover a multitude of sins. You're a musician now, right? You say? You've gathered from conversation that Joseph is an old friend of the pastors who's played guitar at the church a few times. That's how all the regulars know him. That's right, he says. I get to roam around, see all this beautiful country, and nobody cares what a musician does on his nights off. He pauses. Now don't tell your pastor that. He might buy a guitar and skip town. You and Joseph were electric right away. He was charming with everyone, but with you it was different. Polite, gentlemanly, but definitely interested. Gradually, everyone left you two alone at the end of a table, where Joseph learned a lot about you before you got any details out of him. Now you're getting somewhere, if you can press your advantage before time's up. Almost time for fireworks, you say, mostly to yourself. You are right, he says as he stands, and that's my cue. You aren't staying for the fireworks, you ask? No, here in this crowd, in the glow of everybody's cell phones, Joseph answers. I heard from a fellow traveler that there's a gorgeous oak tree down that walking path off the park. They say it's 200 years old. I want to watch the show light up those branches and then just soak in the moonlight after. You roll your eyes. Are you always this corny, you ask? 100% of the time, he says. Now, before I make a false step here, I don't see a ring, but are you attached? Married? Boyfriend? You shake your head. You have a mama out here somewhere who's going to faint if she sees you walking with a strange man? She's here, you lie but she won't faint. He smiles. Then why don't you tell her to wait up for you and come take this walk with me, Joseph asks. Taking your light in hand, you follow him past the paper lanterns into a breathtaking darkness. That's your dream date with Joseph Gates, a traveling musician who's come a long way from growing up on the farm to standing behind a pulpit to stalking his prey across the American South with his silver eyes hidden behind tinted glasses. If you want to know why Joseph really left the ministry and how he reconciles his down-home background with existence as a monster, head over to the Megadumbcast Patreon, where you can find the details of Joseph's embrace, his history, and his complete character sheet. He also has a sort of owl familiar I was not able to fit into the dream date. For all you owl fans, if you're on the fence about Joseph, last episode's Bruja dream date, Reina Torres, is also available on Patreon. And next month, when our Malkavian dream date is released, we're going to be asking you, the listeners, to decide for the first time which of these three characters to fuck, marry, and slay, respectively. So if you want to be all caught up and ready to make that weighty decision next month, head on over to the Patreon, read up on Reyna and Joseph, and get ready to cast your vote. With that, I'm throwing it back to Chris and Claire in the past. Overall, uh, thumbs up or thumbs down on the gangrel just as a thing that exists. Maybe if I read a book about the gangrel someday, I'll be able to answer that question. But as of right now, uh, it's tough to say. Like, again, I think similar to the, um, similar to the Bruja, I like the, I understand why this thing exists. I understand you want the, if you're going to have the more intellectual, artsy vampires, you also need the more physical, aggressive ones. And all the animal stuff, you know, the animal shape-shifting transformation is a big part of vampires. So like, I get what they're going for, but like, yeah, it's not my thing. It's not, it's whatever. But like, yeah, good job. I I guess <laughs> you do your thing, gang girl. Yeah, I, I'm in about the same place. I will say, I think this concept really was let down by this clan book. Um, yeah. There's potential here. Like I can imagine a version of this clan book, which like spoilers, the second edition clan book isn't it. But uh, 
there's a version of this where there's a clan book that like turns this clan into just like a killer. Like this is a classic vampire archetype. This is everything you wanted to make this just like a cool, distinctive play experience. This, as you say, is like barely about the clan. It's all over the place. It is so disappointing. It does nothing to sell me. Like if I didn't already want to have this experience and like grow animal parts and shit, nothing in this book would convince me otherwise. But at the end of the day, you got to have the ones that turn into bats. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there it is. It's like not even really a question of thumbs up or thumbs down. It's like, it's a check mark. It's a pass fail. Yes. The, you got bats. Yeah. The, uh, the existence of a vampire RPG caused this clan book to spontaneously come into existence, <laughs> whether the authors cared to write it or not. And spoiler alert, they did not. <laughs> I can't say it better than that. Um, <laughs> next time, we will be discussing the Malkavians. The edition clan book we'll be reading. TBD, we'll find out. But uh, is there anything you know going in about the Malkavians? Well, so given that the first book had some things to say about uh, skinheads, and this, this next one had some stuff in it about the Roma, I'm sure that the Malkavians, who from what I understand, they're like the mental illness clan, I'm sure that there will be absolutely nothing offensive in this book at all. <laughs> Yep. Nobody's going to have a swastika on their forehead in this book. That's for sure. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Can we get through one book with no skinheads? Great. Uh, uh, I, I just can't wait. I just can't All wait. Right. So uh, since you are the one who is on this feed less, uh, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you if they want to find your other work, Claire? Sure. Yeah. If you want to see me being um, exasperated by... Not just Vampire the Masquerade, but life in general, then follow me on Twitter <laughs> at Claire Mulcairin, C L A I R E M U L K E R I N. Okay. Uh, when this episode drops, can you uh, post some kind of like videos of you with one of those filters where it gives you like animal features on your face? Would that be possible? <laughs> Could you do some of your haikus <laughs> is, with like a kitty face for us? Is is this just for your own personal use later on, Chris? Oh, totally. Or? You can email them to me if you want, whatever. Uh -huh. But yeah, I think our listeners would appreciate it if you would email me a few of those. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> so I don't know. Great. It may happen. It may not. But it'll get people to look you up on Twitter just to find out. So there sure. we go. Sure. Okay. All right. Sounds um, good. So that's it. Join us next time for the Malkavians. It's, it's going to be a hell of a ride. I just know it. This has been World of Dumbness, colon, Fuck, Mary Slay. A new episode will drop on the 13th of every month, only on Mega Dumbcast's Patreon-only RSS feed, which you can find at patreon.com slash megadumbcast. This episode's music, used under Creative Commons licenses, includes Top Me and Happy Together Ending from the album Sex by Soft and Furious, whose work you can find at loyaltyfreakmusic.com, as well as Asking Questions by Raphael Crux, Lost Souls by Portrayal, whose work you can find at portrayal.bandcamp.com, and Just Need a Walk Under the Lights of the Boulevard by Bisou de l'Enfant Sauvage, whose work you can find at bisou de l'Enfant Sauvage.bandcamp.com. That is B I S O U D E L E N F A N T S A U V A G E.bandcamp.com. If you've got a crush on Joseph and want to put together a playlist specific to him, I recommend starting with. The Fire on Loop by Theory Has It, if you don't mind an old chestnut killing me softly by the Fugees, and if you really love those chestnuts, naturally, Son of a Preacher Man by Dusty Springfield. 